Hello, you lovely lot. I wanted to take a moment to share an exciting announcement with you all. I will be doing a live show for Happy Mum, Happy Baby at the podcast show in London on the 22nd of May. This will be a live episode of this very podcast featuring me and a very special soon-to-be-announced guest. Get ready for a candid conversation, unfiltered truths, laughs, invaluable non-judgmental advice and lived experiences. Dive into the complexities of parenting while juggling work, relationships and personal growth and we'll be talking beyond the baby years. As well as the live episode, the show will also include a Q&A with both me and my guest. Tickets go on sale this Friday the 26th of April at 10am, but anyone who is part of the Happy Mum, Happy Baby newsletter will be getting early access to tickets on Wednesday the 24th of April at 10am. To sign up to the newsletter and for more information about the event, please head to happymumhappybaby.com forward slash events. I can't wait to see you there. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot maybe your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello and welcome to another episode of Happy Mom, Happy Baby, the podcast. Uh, this week's guest, I met one of them, the male part of this relationship, almost 18 years ago when we auditioned for drama school together, which means that we've known each other now for half of our lives, which is ridiculous. Uh, but then I also then spent the first five weeks of drama school sleeping on his sofa. Since then, our careers have gone in different paths. He's met the lovely woman that sat beside him and they've gone on to have two amazing children, Freddie and Truly. And I'm delighted that they are here today. Hi, Hopper and Laura. Hello, hello, hello. We're so delighted to be here. I completely forgot about the, the, the weeks you spent on my couch and was chatting about what it's like to be at drama school. I know, I was thinking about it earlier. We had a lot of pasta, a lot of pasta with stirring sauce, but thought we were like, you know, proper adults. Being healthy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and you should have seen, Laura, the amount of pasta we were eating as well. Like, it was a lot of food. Well, also, because you were Italian as well, I was like, this girl knows how to cook pasta. <laughs> Surely. It was 
so li- literally, we just got Dolmio sauce and just poured it we over did. mince. It was I awful. Was like, oh, she knows. She Very gets Dolmio. She knows. Italian. Actually, that, so Italian. that reminds me of another thing I thought this morning. Total sidetrack, but I was thinking about us doing um, Collier's Friday night together. And uh, oh, yeah. so there was a scene on stage where it was just me and Hopper. And by the way, I call him Hopper. Anyone that's listening is called Tom Hopper, but Hopper and Laura. And my nonna, who was in her late 80s then, came to see. She doesn't speak a word of English. And you're just on stage shouting at me. We're having a little bit of a conflict. And my nonna nearly stood up. My dad had to stop her from standing up and having a go at Hopper. Because she was I'm like, so, I'm just so <laughs> believable. <laughs> She's ma- he's making my granddaughter cry. But it's so oh yeah. So that's just a right. Anyway, we go way back, and since then we've got kids, five kids between us. It's mad. Every time we come down to see you guys, or we meet up for, you know, one of our crazy meals that we have with children running around like a bunch of lion cubs, <laughs> we always sort of go back to that time when it was just us and before we had kids, and yeah. it changes so much. It's mad how. Children change your lives in so many ways and they take you on all these different paths. When did you two actually meet? I was trying to work this out earlier. It's over a decade. It's been 11 years now. Yeah. The first time we met, I actually don't remember it because, you know, not having any responsibilities, I was reasonably drunk. And I remember Tom introducing himself and saying he's from Leicester and I was like, oh my God, me too. And then I heard Backstreet Boys playing and I was like sorry I've got to go and started doing my backstreet she left me on my own and I was sort of looked around aimlessly looking for someone else to talk to but she ran off and just saw this girl dancing off to backstreet boys Um, (laughs) but that was yeah that was the first time we met and then the the time that it kind of went on we officially met that I remember was after your tormented premiere yeah I did a movie called tormented one of my first jobs out of drama school yeah I remember that and it's quite a big one, really. It was, yeah, for for a smallish movie, it was a decent sized premiere um, with free alcohol, which why, why Laura <laughs> got invited. No, no, no. Um, I was told girls allowed would be there. That's why I went. They weren't, <laughs> but that's why I wanted to go. And then, yeah, so a friend of mine who knew Laura was coming to the premiere, and he said, "Oh, can I can I bring a friend?" And I said, "Yeah, sure, man. Bring bring whoever you want." I, we couldn't actually get in. Tom had no more guests left on the guest list. Tom. And then I was like, well, Gary, you're going to have to go in and find your mate. I'll give you five minutes. And then I stood there waiting and the, the doors swung open. I always say that they swung open like... Stars in the eyes. Stars in the eyes. <laughs> and this smoke, smoke came out and this guy sauntered forward in this Vivian Westwood suit. Oh, la-di-da. I know. Yeah. And I remember th- at that moment, I was like, he's an absolute dish. So I'm I'm gonna you know <laughs> jump on that get in there with that guy. <laughs> and then he shouted Laura, which I was delighted about because to be honest, he could have shouted any name and I'd have said, Yeah, me. Um and I stepped forward and he was like, Come on in. And then that that was kind of it, wasn't it, really? Then we were inseparable. We just had such a great time and I remember the start of our relationship, we just laughed all the time. Mm. Um yeah. and one thing I think we've always tried to remember throughout our, our relationship and into having kids and everything is that no matter how hard it can get is that the base of it is a, a friendship where we're we're best mates you know and that's what creates a solid marriage I think long term laughter you know. is just the best thing ever if you can laugh together then you know you're good yeah but when you're also when your life is kind of moving around a lot it's I we found it quite difficult to know when to start to have a family 
Because it kind of like, how do we bring a child into this? What would that look like? It must be hard thinking for you guys, well, we're going to have a child, but actually we don't know where we're going to be, where, where we're going to be filming and everything like that. Like, how, how was that conversation going towards a family? Or did you just think we're getting married, but having a kid? It was tough. I mean, I got to take a lot of flack for this because I've learned since this time that it was very much the wrong thing to do. But I had it in my head from very early on that I wanted to be a young dad, you know. So I was saying to Laura, like, let's have some kids. Let's have kids. It'll be great. You know, they can travel around with us. And I was completely naive, completely naive to how much a woman's body has to go through during the pregnancy, before the pregnancy, during the pregnancy and post-pregnancy. Mm of what it's like to have a child. You know, it was just, I went on a massive learning curve and I now realize that I probably handled it the wrong way when it came to what my wants were for me and Laura and, and our children. There were reasons behind that though. A lot of our, well, your friends predominantly had struggled with having babies or getting pregnant. And Tom was so scared that it would take us years mm. that he was like, you know, we've, we've got to start as yeah. soon as we've got married because, you know, it could take us three or four years to get pregnant. And, you know, then I'll be 33 by that point. Not so old. I literally came off my birth control and that month got pregnant. No. Yeah, it, was, it was a bit of a shock, so, really. It was so quick. And I, like, kind of got into this thing of, like, oh, you know, I'll just... I'd taken a pregnancy test whilst I was at work with Freddie. I was teaching at the time. And I took it and then kind of went back to teaching and then kind of remembered about two hours later, oh, did I take a test? And I opened my bag <laughs> and it on? was, like, shining at me, saying pregnant. pregnant. And I was like, oh, <laughs> like, I don't really know what to do now. And then, I mean, the kids must have thought there's something wrong with me because I, like, totally blanked and then I was like do am I supposed to carry on dancing like I was a minute ago or should I should I sit down now like me a bit more careful and I don't think we we there's no way that we had planned mm -hmm. what we were doing and uh we were no way ready for a child. it was weird you know because you um, think we're married now we can have kids but actually I think in a lot of ways we felt too immature really to yeah. have children like we didn't we didn't feel like grown up enough and it just sort of felt like the thing to do and I fell into a trap I think of going we're married now come on let's let's have kids well also it's just that it's that thing that we're always told there is a set path you meet someone you get married you have a baby you have another one you have another one maybe yeah. you get divorced who knows you know, <laughs> exactly it's the next step <laughs> But there is a path that we're all kind of is in our brain and that's what you have to do. So I think it is difficult to kind of step aside and go, well, hold on, what works for us? Is this is this the right time? Like, is, is this now? And, you know, yeah. and yeah. I think I do think that sometimes we did the whole not not trying approach. To be honest, I think at first Tom was just excited that we were going to have loads of sex. And then you know. <laughs> yeah. the practicing part, yes. the warming up bit is great. Yeah, that's what, I, that's what you were most excited for. I was, I yeah. I've got three years of just loads of sex because she's not going to get pregnant she, she, straight away. And then I got happen. pregnant and I was like, don't come near me. It might move it or do something. Yeah. And I, I like, really screwed myself because then I got nothing for nine months. It wasn't nine months you get. But, I, but for us and, and for a few other people we know, that's from the male perspective that they don't want to come near. So, ah, no, so yeah, the this first is three months, I was like, absolutely not. And then, you know, things changed slightly for myself. 
get a and little bit horny, a little bit frisky. Way, yeah, no, Tom <laughs> the whole way through was like, good Lord, you're gorgeous. Look at your boobs, like, just move well, that bum out like the way a bit. Hair and stuff, right? Women's yeah. hair when yeah. they're pregnant, when they get to a certain point in pregnancy, like the first trimester is like, I feel sick, don't come anywhere near me, please. <laughs> Oh, God, I think I might pass out on you. And you're like, oh, okay, babe, yeah, you, you just deal with you. And then when they get into the second and third trimester, they become like these, like, goddesses that are carrying your child and they look amazing, they're glowing and become really sexy. <laughs> Thank you, Dan. Yeah, but you, see, you, but you see it with, like, this is not like I'm like, looking at lots of pregnant women going, ugh. But you see it with other pregnant women in, in a certain stage of the pregnancy where they go, God, they look amazing. Yeah, mm. I agree. I, I agree. But do you think, think there's... You look great. Do you think there's also something in that that Laura was carrying your child? Absolutely, absolutely. Oh, man, you should have seen his little face. When I said, I'm pregnant, he was like, oh, it worked. Like, yeah, I it thought, really worked, like, Laura. I, I'm sure a lot of men go through this, but you have this thing where you're growing up and you get kicked in the balls a lot, mm, right? Yep. Especially like me, I played a lot of sport and everything, and it happens. And I was convinced. That's why I said, we need to try now, because I'm pretty sure I can't have kids. <laughs> and I got kicked in the balls so many times. I was, I, I, You convince yourself you really had, hadn't you? they ain't going to work. Mm. And that moment that she said that she was pregnant... My first reaction was, they work. <laughs> oh my god! And it was like this amazing, like revelation that like nature just happened to work. I mean, we weren't telling anybody about whether we were going to try or not. We we didn't tell anyone we were pregnant for so long with both of the kids. In fact, truly, some people didn't even know we were pregnant at all. Um, yeah, we just turned up with a baby. Well, we FaceTimed them from the hospital, like, just so you know, uh, we've had a baby. And they were like, what? <laughs> but because Tom had been away, we'd not really seen anybody. So we what, kind of got away with it. Why, do you, why do you think you wanted to keep it so private? Um, well, I was so scared something was going to go wrong. Mm. I was so scared that it happened so quickly and that, um, I wasn't the healthiest of human beings before I got pregnant. I smoked, I drank way too much. I mean, you've seen me on New Year's before. <laughs> and I was just so scared that it was going to go wrong. And I, the idea of having to see people and explain what had happened, I couldn't do it. Yeah. And with truly, my uh, nephew was born and had complications. And I was so scared that the same thing might happen that I just didn't want to talk about it. Yeah. And not in like a, like I loved being pregnant with Truly. I thought it was the best thing ever, but I felt like there were so many things around me pointing to like what could happen if it went wrong that I just was like, oh, well, I'll keep it to myself. It can kind of just be our little secret. Yeah. It was a very different pregnancy the second time around as well. Like you seemed to enjoy it so much more. You were far more relaxed and... Well, just... I just kept getting told something was wrong with Freddie when I was pregnant with him. You know, we were in South Africa and they were like, he's too small, he's not growing, there's shadowing on his bowel. And I just remember, like, I just wanted to go home. Yeah. I was like, J I just want to go home, Tom. I want to see my doctor and I want to make sure everything's all right. And he was in a breech position, so everyone was questioning whether I was going to have a C-section, and then I did, and then I felt horrendous afterwards yeah there was a lot more and stress through that pregnancy i couldn't work out why i wasn't in this like amazing bubble after i had freddie 
And then actually it turns out when I had Truly, gory details, um, after I, I had a C-section with Truly too, and as soon as she was born pretty much, they put those really sexy knickers on me. Nice, The kind yeah. of net ones. Yeah, yeah those ones. <laughs> and they <laughs> put them on and they'd got, the catheter was in a bag, not a box, and they slid it through the pants and I was like, oh, wow, like, I had a box last time. Like, I was kind of confused how you were going to do that. And they said, oh, you must have lost a lot of blood. And I was like, wow, if someone had told me that at the time, it would have explained why, you know, I felt so poorly and why I was so tired. Mm. And I just thought it was, I've got a new baby and, y you know, this is just such a shock and why I just felt ill. And I think had someone explained it to me then, I'd have... You, you I remember as well you being absolutely zapped and, and mm -hmm. not even being able to like lift Freddie out of the, the crib and no one was sort of saying that this wasn't normal or no one was saying, right, mm -hmm. you've lost a lot of blood so you're going to feel very tired. No one sort of said that. Right. And we just kind of assumed it was normal and she was basically having a very bad reaction from the C-section. Okay, yeah, and, I got an and, infection from the, from the birth and there was an infection and you just felt really... And that was kind of an onset of... The beginning of that that journey with Freddie, you would just felt so. In a, we were in a, a dark place to start with, weren't you? Because you mm -hmm. just it just was a bad start. But none of my I've got such a like close knit group of girlfriends, and none of them had babies. Yeah, and they were all still off, you know, going out and partying and you know doing their thing. And I didn't feel like I had anyone apart from my sister to kind of turn around and ask, like, Are you supposed to think? things like this like are you supposed to have like thoughts like that and I remember the first time I mentioned it to my sister in the car she was like yeah it's fine and I burst into tears because I was like wow it's such an overwhelming time I think because your life yeah. completely changes the moment that baby is placed in your arms and you have so many thoughts of what that moment's going to be like because we're all told it's the most amazing thing that bond is the most magical thing ever your life changes in that moment and actually a lot of people feel this weight of sadness or something other that's not that overwhelming joy. You know you love the, the baby in your arms. I was going to say the thing, the baby in your <laughs> arms. But it's so complicated. And, and to be honest, I felt completely the same after Buzz. That's why I do this. I literally had moments of feeling like, bearing in mind, I've always been the maternal one in our friendship groups. I felt like I didn't have a single maternal bone in my body. I did not know what I was doing. He didn't want me. That's what I literally felt. I can remember saying to my dad, I don't think he loves me. And my dad just sort of saying, of course he loves you. You're his world. And, and kind of just, I, I just remember being so broken. And that's hard to yeah. mother from that place. When I had Freddie, I don't think I realised it until he was probably about two. And then I was like, oh, Laura, like, that wasn't good like that that was actually quite scary some of the things I used to think because Tom wasn't even here either yeah. it was just me and Freddie and I think sometimes Freddie was the only thing that would kind of snap me out of that sort of I don't I don't know what the kind of place I used to get into and the experience with Truly was completely different mm. completely different I mean I went back to teaching at 12 weeks full-time because I was adamant that I with Freddie I was like I'm not gonna 
you know, sit around, I need to go back to being the person that I was. And I... Well, you went for your first audition when Freddie was two weeks old. Yeah. And I went down to London with her. I sat in a cafe and I had like a bottle and a half of breast milk available to me while she went in for this audition. I was like, oh God, please don't run out of breast milk. (laughs) And I ran out because Freddie was a chugger, like he could eat a lot. And I remember just trying to keep Freddie from from screaming in this... uh, in this cafe Cafe. and going, please, Laura, hurry up, please. (laughs) And she, she eventually came out. But, um, I remember thinking, God, this is like only two weeks. I mean, that was like two weeks after major surgery as well. She had a C-section. So, but you were so determined to just. Well, I just, I was like, this isn't, it's not going to affect my life. Like the baby will fit in with what I'm doing. And, and it ended up just taking me so much longer to recover because I'd do something like that. And then everything would hurt. And I'd be so tired because I'd work myself up and like killing myself over lines and making sure I look good and I don't look too big, do I? And then like being in the audition and I could feel the milk coming in. And then I was like, please don't leave, please don't leave, please don't leave. And they must have thought like, is she all right? Like she keeps touching her boobs and she keeps like moving everything around. And it's it's a choice. It's a, a character like, choice. Scared and a bit like, hi, nice to see you. And, how yeah. how do you feel looking back at that version of you? Do you feel like you just want to go back and scoop her up and kind of give her a hug? Oh and- my gosh, yeah. Like give her a hug and go, woman, sit down. Yeah. Do a tape. Like you don't need to be in the room. Stop killing yourself. And I mean, one of the things that I've really learned is just to enjoy the journey, especially with work. Mm. And enjoy auditions. And if you get in the room, fine, you get in the room. If you don't, you don't. And I think I was so scared that having a child would make me lose momentum, which it can do. It can make you lose a bit of momentum and you do kind of have to get yourself going again. But I just, I'd wanted to just give yourself a break. I remember coming in from teaching like half nine at night and sitting there pumping like a mad person. (laughs) <laughs> Such a lovely sound. Just because I was determined to go back, and I, sh- I should have. I think it's because I was like, yeah, I can do that. Yeah, I can do that. Yeah, and I should have said no. And with truly, I did. Mm. With truly, I was like, no, I'm going to enjoy enjoy this, and I'm going to feed her myself, and she will go everywhere with me. And she did. You like she came on set with you when you did um, Terminator. I remember walking onto set, and everyone was like. <laughs> oh, you brought a baby to the Terminator set. You like, you know, we fire actual guns here. Like they're loud. I was like, yeah, she's was got mad. noise cancelling headphones. She'll be totally fine. Don't worry about her. She'll be fine. But yeah, it was a very different experience. It yeah, was, for sure. yeah. Did, and for us as well. Did mm. you two talk throughout? So, Laura, when you were after having Freddie, when it, when it was a little bit darker, should we say, were you able to communicate to each other with Hopper being away, or did you kind of? hide it a little bit oh I didn't say anything I was completely none the wiser I, I thought everything was was cushy she would never let me know that she was having issues I think more than anything because she didn't want me to worry when I was away um because she wanted I'm me to just, crack on I'm, and do I'm, my job I'm quite naughty at communicating sometimes yeah you yeah. keep it I will like in. not say anything for ages and then I kind of have this little like um we'll call it a, a meltdown slash tantrum <laughs> where I just kind of go about everything um, but at the time, I just thought that's what motherhood was. Like, yeah. I just thought, oh, okay, well, this is what it's like being a mum. Like, you're always tired. 
you have dark thoughts and you don't really like yourself very much. Like, I, I just thought that was it. And actually, having truly, I've realised it's not even close. Like, mm. you just had a bad time of it first time. And I think I wish I had communicated slightly more with Tom. Hopper, so, what's, it, what's it like, though, hearing that she was that in that place? So tough for me, you know, because I'm kind of the opposite of Laura in that I'm a talker. So I'm like, talk to me about it. If there's a problem, let's talk it out. Let's always get it out in the open. So when I started hearing that she was having these problems, when it finally did come out in a meltdown tantrum, as she says, <laughs> it would feel like it came out of nowhere. And I was trying to deal with it all in one go where I felt like, you know, why? I just remember sort of saying to her, like, please, please, please never do that again. Please just talk to me because that's what I'm here for, you know. Mm. And um, it doesn't get cooped up inside because that's one thing I think we've learned now of where we've got to in our relationship is that, we communicate so much better than we ever have. In fact, actually lockdown has been great for our relationship, you know, the whole year. This has been the making of us recently, I think. I feel so grateful that we've had such a huge amount of time as a four because it means that we've had that time to communicate. Yeah, I mean, we also... It's been so good. Um, I mean, you know about this, G, and we put it on our Instagram and stuff, but we also through the beginning of lockdown, we got the official diagnosis about Freddie um, getting his autism diagnosis, you know. Let's talk about Freddie. What was Freddie like? I know, but for the listeners, what was Freddie like as a baby? Glorious. Yeah. Um, he was gorgeous. He didn't sleep very well, but he was happy and smiley and... Giggly. I mean, he threw up a lot. He got quite bad reflux. <laughs> he got reflux, didn't he, yeah. He was great. He was... Such a gorgeous little boy, just a, you know, yeah, normal he was little very, baby. very engaging. Yeah, he would yeah. Uh, do all the things you'd expect a little happy baby to do, you know. And there was a period of around 18 months, I think he would have been, when I mean, my first encounter of something that was, was different was when I went to pick Freddie up from nursery, and one of the care workers there said, Oh, um, we're wondering whether Freddie should get his hearing tested because he's, he's not turning around to his name at the minute. And he'd always done that before. And I remember going, oh, okay. And he was stood in the corner, like playing in the corner. And I went, Freddie. And he didn't turn. And that was the first time I'd noticed that he didn't do that. And my immediate thing was, oh, maybe we need to get his hearing tested. Because I went over and then he, once he saw me, he's, his face lit up. And he, he, we went home and everything. And I said to Laurel, and I was like, oh, they're a bit concerned about his hearing. So that was kind of the first thing. And then as we came up to the winter, he started getting... A lot of infections, didn't he? He started to get it was, like it was viruses. You know, viruses, kids pick yeah. up those viruses where they get these really bad temperatures and a little bit of a rash, maybe, and then it goes away. But he was getting them all the time. Mm. And my mum had said to me, "Please go and get his ears checked." Like she had loads of ear infections as a kid, and she was like, "I just, I feel like that's what he's doing. Like he plays with his ear. He's always leaning on one side." Um. So we went to an ear, nose and throat specialist who told us that Freddie had glue ear. Which I had and as a child, he... which, you know, I've spoken to you a lot about, my mum's spoken to you a lot about. And I remember yeah. us always trying to reassure you and kind of be like, look, that's, that was me. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. yeah. Like, used to lash out, get uh -huh. really cross, yep. but couldn't hear anything, wouldn't turn around to your name. Like, and he was doing all of those things. And 
And when we spoke to um, the ear, nose and throat specialist, he said he's got glue ear. Let's put him on some antibiotics. Hopefully that will clear it. Mm. And he was on antibiotics for a few weeks. We went back and they tested his ears again. And it was exactly the same. He, he couldn't hear anything. And so we decided to get grommets fitted, ear tubes, I suppose. Mm. And the first time he had them fitted... I was so scared. You took him down, didn't you, for his anaesthetic? Yeah. Thank goodness you did. Because second time I did it whilst I was pregnant and I sobbed Ugh. afterwards because I was, I'm the worst mum ever. <laughs> Why have I done that? Um, but he came round from it and he was hearing things and he was turning around to his name and he was, you know, hearing helicopters in the garden and looking up and we were like, oh, that's what it was. You know, you just... The kid he certainly hear. seemed a lot happier and yeah he'd be communicating a little bit more like you would expect a child of his age to be communicating you know and then and then it kind of started to regress again I guess didn't it and we thought well, oh, just, well, it, must... it just never progressed never progressed I think is a better way of saying it yeah it just... he just didn't like all the other children of his, his age were like starting to string words together and um were just far more engaged in, in conversation or interested in what us as adults were doing. They want to yeah. be involved, you know, and Freddie just didn't. It wasn't, and we know now after having truly how different it is, you know, because Freddie was, and we, we, and we kept convincing ourselves that there wasn't anything different about Freddie. It was probably just his ears. He was just delayed. And you go through this process of denial, I suppose, initially of like, Oh no, he's fine. He's fine. Like this is, it's fine. He's just this. It's just that. And you kind of fighting against the inevitable, which is happening in front of you, which is this, there's this regression and this change that's happening for your child. And to the point where the child that you knew six months ago is kind of not there anymore. Like they said, becoming a different child and a different, your relationship is changing with them because they're not responding in the same way that they used to. Mm. Does that make you feel like you've almost lost the child that you thought was growing before you and that have kind of taken a different for sure like uh, there's absolutely a mourning process that you go through you know um particularly i think laura's relationship with freddie because she was so close with him and so connected you know yeah. and that that connection started to go and it became something different yeah now laura and freddie still have an amazing relationship mm -hmm. but it's just in a different way now you know it's not it's not in a conventional manner that you, you know, like the way we talk to truly, you know, we converse with her, we have a conversation. Whereas with Freddie it's through tickles and through this physical relationship where we, Laura gets him giggling like no one else can, you know, I, it, it lights up the room when Freddie giggles, you know, yeah. like he, he's a little ray of sunshine. And what my, my learning process with this and seeing Freddie change is the way Freddie started to see life he sees life in a very literal sense so he doesn't care about the things that a lot of other kids might you know with christmas presents birthday presents he doesn't care about any of that yeah. what freddie cares about is the rain falling out of the sky the wind blowing the trees nature he loves having his shoes off and running around the grass and feeling what the grass feels like on his feet and it makes me think if we were all a little bit more freddie you know, life would be a lot easier. We wouldn't care about all those materialistic things outside of it. Yeah. And Freddie teaches us a lot as as people, you know, what 
what to really appreciate. Mm. And even more so during this year, you know, because he's just running around loving life and it makes me go, let's do that. Let's just do that for the day. But let's I run gu- around. I guess it's that thing, isn't it? We've been allowed to go at their pace, which we're never usually afforded that time. So true. Yeah. Yeah. He was phenomenal in lockdown. He was the happiest kid you've ever known. We had moments where we struggled a little bit with him, which any child struggled, like truly struggled at times. I mean, yeah. actually, I think truly struggled much more. Truly struggled more, She's yeah. a very sociable child. <laughs> so she was desperate to go and see, like, please let me go and see my mates, mum. I don't know you're annoying. But he was amazing. He just loved it. He loved being at home. Like, oh. Yeah. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, how get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, how to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes, flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. It's interesting that you sort of started lockdown with sort of a formal diagnosis because I can remember years ago, like a couple of years ago on his birthday, seeing Freddie outside in his happy place, in the garden, probably naked, uh, with all the boys then getting naked, and you saying, Laura, he's happy, and I'm giving him everything he needs right now. I remember you being just not wanting to almost have a diagnosis because he's a happy child. Do you feel... Yeah, I, I, I definitely... I put it off. The paediatrician asked me if I wanted a diagnosis, and I said no. He And that was like when he was about 
two and a half, right? I think. Yeah. yeah. No, no, I think that was three. It took was a three. long time to get to see a pediatrician. And we had to see an NHS pediatrician in order to get the educational health care plan for Freddie for school. And they asked if I wanted a diagnosis, and I said no. He... Um, he's really happy and I felt like why why change that yeah when people had started to put him in a box already like oh Freddie doesn't like that because he's autistic or Freddie won't do that because he's autistic it's like stop saying that like it's an excuse for him like Actually, right now, he's having a tantrum because he's two and he's being naughty. It's not because he's different or he's autistic or it's he's just being ready. Well, a lot of the fear, I think, came from the diagnosis that, like Laura says, like being boxed into something is there is a problem in society, I think, uh, maybe a lack of education. I don't know what it is of autism, you know, and, and the spectrum of autism and mm. that a lot of people go, oh, well, autistic kids don't like this, do they? Or autistic kids, you know, people with autism won't do that. And actually, there, there is no one size fits all. Like any conventional person, neurotypical person, there is no one size fits all. Everyone yeah. likes different things and is annoyed by different things and different kinds of routines. Some people work for others and not for other people. So, mm. you know, there's things that Freddie does that people said, oh, well, he won't like that because he's... And I said, no, actually, Freddie loves that. Freddie will be quite happy doing that. Mm. And I think that's part of the fight that I think Laura had with getting that diagnosis because you, you fight with that for the rest of their lives, potentially. And your heart, like your heart aches because you never want, I mean, you guys know that we have challenges with Buddy, for instance, and we have chats sometimes where Tom will say something is wrong. Mm. And I feel like, oh, like literally <laughs> I've cried so much over it because I just think that's also him. And what is a normal child? And can't we just celebrate who they are rather than trying to put them into a box? But then at the same time, if knowing a little bit about what is going on in their heads would help them in some mm. way be understood by us, by other people, it's such a hard thing to get your head around because your heart is so... Your heart is in that child. You know what I mean? It's never yeah. yours anymore. Well, you're a part of them, aren't you? You know, so you feel so responsible for their, especially when they do have the episodes where they're unhappy. Yeah. You know, if they're unhappy, That's every really every fibre of your being is like, just just tell me, just please tell me what it is that I can make it better. Mm. When Freddie's had those kind of times where he's just... It's to the point where I'm like, he's he's got to be in pain or something. There's something that he's... He was. And there was a time that he really was he in was. pain and he, you just want these, to make it better. These ear infections and um, bouts of tonsillitis, he got every two weeks. And that's the only time that he would get angry and lash out was because he hurt so much. And I was the idiot that wasn't getting it. So that's why he would hit me. And the first time you'd seen it was when we went on holiday with my sister and... In the airport, he was uncontrollable, wasn't he? Yeah. And he just would lash out. And then it'd get to the point where I'd be so cross at everyone around me for having their opinion on my son. Mm. Like, all of you go away, but probably said in a way harsher term. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, people like to be like, oh, well, you know, I just don't understand how people medicate their kids. And I'd be like... 
Are you telling me that if Freddie got to the age of 16 and he's the same size as his dad at six foot five and he's doing the same thing that I can't give him something to calm him down? You are joking. Also, he is my son. What I do with him is up to me. It's up to Tom. Like, we're his parents. We will help him through this. And when we were first exploring Freddie's differences and his uniqueness as a human being, we heard so often that there's something there's something wrong with Freddie. I remember a health professional saying to me that there might be something wrong with his brain. And I remember it was, I felt like she'd stabbed me. And it took every fiber of my being not to launch across the living room and attack her like in Mean Girls <laughs> when they have that scene and it's like lions at each other. Because I thought, what are you saying about my son? Like he... He's a part of me. And the fact that he is nonverbal and cannot communicate and he struggles with his comprehension means that I am the person he goes to. So I know him. And I think one of the things that took quite a while was not us coming to terms with the fact that Freddie was autistic, but actually us coming to terms with telling people how we worked together mm. and that when they decided to have their opinions on something I'd be like well thank you but this is how Freddie and I work I this is how Freddie works with this this is what Freddie will need right now and sometimes it was guessing I mean when we came back on that flight from Dubai and Freddie had the oh he had a huge people will, meltdown people will on, say on meltdown I prefer say panic attack because what he is doing is a panic attack he starts to not be able to breathe properly. He looks so scared and he lashes out because he looks, I can't explain how scared he looks. It's, and it kills me. It yeah. kills me that I'm like, it's fine. It's like, it's totally fine. But it's almost like you have to ride the wave with it. And once he's done it, then he controls himself and he brings him back down and he's okay. Mm. And I remember an air stewardess coming up to me whilst he was mid-flow and we were stood at the bottom of the stairs to business class. And she said to me, don't worry. If he needs to shout for a little while, you let him shout. People do this plenty on flights, so he's absolutely fine. And, and I was like, yeah, he is. And things like that just kind of, it gave me more and more confidence to turn around to people and say, no, I won't be doing that because my son doesn't like that. Or uh, one of Tom's favorite things in an airport is to literally put his hand up to airport staff and be like, my son has extra needs and we will not be queuing, thank you. And he just walks past. <laughs> and everyone seems to go, okay, that but big me, man. Just maybe not as, as posh as that, a bit more Leicestershire, but yeah. A bit more <laughs> But it, it's amazing, I think, how people around us can really impact how we handle situations as well. Sometimes when, say, a, say one of ours, Buddy, is having one of his moments, I think early on I could feel the heat, feel that feeling of I'm failing in this moment. Everyone mm. is looking, they're judging mm. me as a mother. And then actually seeing the opposite of that when someone has come over and said, you're doing good. Or just something that's motivational, that's with you. And I think it's fascinating to see how our behaviour towards other parents can impact them like on doing the best job that they can and kind of supporting them and empowering them. 
rather than belittling them and making them feel crap and add to the situation. Absolutely. 100%. I remember when the birthday you're talking about, when everyone came over and Freddie kind of started the trend of like, we're going to take our clothes off now. So every <laughs> child like here was naked. naked part, yeah. With not a naked, none of the adults were <laughs> naked, Tom. Just the children. You were? Um, <laughs> like, oh, I'd find you Don't tell them the secrets. Um, but I remember Buddy accidentally popping a balloon and he got really upset about yeah. it. And I was like, can I do anything? And you were like, no, 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 it's fine. He'll slow down in a minute. And it just made me love Buddy more. Because mm. I was like, oh, I just want to scoop you up. Like, he's just... In that moment, I was like, he's having a moment. Yeah. This is occasionally what Freddie does. It's occasionally what Trudy does. All kids do it. Because life is overwhelming. Uh, yeah, life oh is overwhelming. Gosh, and they're course. figuring out how to handle those situations. Like Buddy, when he is in that situation, he can't put words together. So having us going, tell me what you need, doesn't help. It doesn't mm. help at all. We've kind of got to sit with him and let him get whatever is in him out and accept him for who he is rather than try and go, no, you've got to be this because this is normal. What is normal? I don't, you know, someone said to me the other day, last night actually, because this is an ongoing conversation with us, bet David Bowie wasn't a normal kid. Bet. <laughs> <laughs> Freddie Mercury wasn't. Yeah. I think so about him a lot. So then you go, amazing. You know? That's so yeah. good. I don't think, I don't think any of us were normal kids. Well, yeah, that's the thing that you go to approach the question of what is it's normal. normal. Yeah. Exactly. It's, it's like it fits into a certain box again, like you're fitting into a box. A box, yeah. Um, and I think one of the things that we, we definitely went through that whole, like, there were times where I pleaded with Freddie, mm. like, please don't do this, please. And looking back now, I'm like, I understand why, because I was so scared of, like, what that meant him being different and how that would change everything for us. And actually, Freddie is the best. He never complains because he can't talk. <laughs> so he never moans at us. He is happy with literally looking at a tree and the leaves <laughs> blowing on it. So it was more, I think, acceptance for me. Tom was like, yeah, I think he's autistic. That's cool. And it, it, you know, you you were like, right, well, on to the next. Well, thing. my thing really, I suppose, was, and I think this is again, it's an interesting thing, like you were saying about the way that Tom was looking at the buddy situation and mm. everything, because I think I do think that, as much as I don't want to uh, put people into again into boxes, but I do think that men and women can sometimes look at how to deal with situations differently, right? Particularly mums and dads. Mm. I think, I mean, I'm generalising here, but the way that I'm from our perspective, I certainly felt like there was something different about Freddie. And I started, I'm, I'm the kind of person that goes, right, I'm going to look into this research now about the way he's behaving. And then all these things started coming up. And I, I sort of found the autism thing quite quickly and tried to talk to Laura about it. And it was, Laura wasn't there yet. She was dealing with it in a very different way. And I tried to be like, no, 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 I'm telling you, this is, this is something we need to look into because it's saying here that early, early prevention is really important, blah, blah, blah. So... Well, I the guess for you two as well, it's also that added layer of you not being around because you're off working. So you're kind Absolutely. of giving her this information and kind of going, so I'm going to go and pretend to be a pirate for a while. Uh, see you later. Nail on the head, <laughs> G. Nail went on the down head. like That's a lead balloon, yeah. let me, me tell me you. Me trying to give advice, going, right, what you need to do 
is you need to do this and you need to look at this. And I've sent you this video here that explains all about this. And I'd done an just... entire autism course. I got a damn certificate for it. <laughs> and I was like, that isn't Freddie. Like, he, he's fine. Stop sending me all this stuff. And it, honestly, I got to the point where we'd be FaceTime and I'd be like, oh, it's cracking up, bye. And I'd turn the internet off or, I don't know, go on aeroplane mode because I was so fed up of people telling me, like, oh, well, I think it's this and I think it's that and you know, you should be doing this and you should be doing that. And Freddie wasn't at that point yet. It took me five speech and language therapists to find the right one because they always pushed him and they confused him because he wasn't ready. The kid didn't hear for two years. So but here's how the thing could as he well, have been ready? With the, with the relationship and the way we were dealing with it, I think that in itself is as much of a journey about how we are going to cope with it as a pair in the way we both deal with it so we're on the same path as it is accepting Freddie for who he is. Mm. Finding that unison, that that whole triangle of Freddie and then me and Laura, how we're going to deal with this together. So I would say this year has been the time that we've finally come to a point where we've both realised what are the most important factors for Freddie for his future I've had to let a few things go and Laura's had to let a few things go her side, but we've met in the middle and we've compromised. And I think compromise is the biggest thing you can do in a marriage and especially with a child with autism that you both have confounding factors that you know are going to be a problem in, in the marriage otherwise, unless you find that middle ground. But also um, the appreciation for the other person. I remember the ever-knowing Phil Hopper Tom's dad, dad. <laughs> turning around and saying to me, if you're watching someone put their everything into other people, who's putting them first? Yeah. And I remember it being like a light bulb for mm -hmm. Tom. And Tom looking at me like, she is only ever doing stuff for the kids or for me. And he was like, and no one's putting her first. So that's, that's my job. And the minute that he started to do that, we just... It, it was like a jigsaw puzzle. Like, yeah. it all just fit together. It really was a light bulb moment, yeah. wasn't it? It's, it's tricky sometimes, because I, I remember last year when I came back from shooting one time, and I was so desperate to have the four of us together, you know, when I got home, and I was so excited to have the four of us as a family, and I'm like, right, what are we going to do? I'm only back for, like, two, three days. And I got back, and Laura was like, right... I'm going to go out. I'm going to go see. And I went, I went, whoa, 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 what? I've only just got back. And she was like, yeah. And I've been with the kids on my own for like the last six weeks. And I was like, yeah, but the four of us. And she just, and, and there's this kind of like weird mental block of her going, no, no, no. I need this. Like, I need to leave the I house. I need to get out of the I house. Need, I need to be on my own. And me going, yeah, but I need us to be together. So it's a constant kind of thing you're playing with, but then you have to look in, you have to look in the mirror and go, okay, what's really important here? is that she's happy, right? So that I come home and she's happy. So she needs to do that. She needs to go away for half the day or whatever. I really worked this out, haven't I? Can you have a little chat with my Tom, please? I'd quite like a little bit of time on my own. <laughs> Listen, I'll WhatsApp him later. Listen, <laughs> What is your greatest wish for Freddie? Happiness, really. Whatever that means for Freddie. We will do everything in our power to create a world where he can be happy. Um, and that, that goes down to his school, the people that take care of him on a regular basis, what he's exposed to. I think 
Freddie seems to be happy when we expose him to as much as possible. You know, new experiences for Freddie are actually a really good thing. And this is what I'm talking about, about people being boxed in, you yeah, know, because yeah. a lot Routine of Routine always... is very, that's important, isn't it? It's like, no, no not really. Freddie. He'll, he wants new experiences. He wants to be mentally challenged and stuff. So our, our thing for him, I suppose, is expose him to as much as possible. And then there'll be those times in his life where there'll be a breakthrough where it's like, oh my God, he's just, he just he's gravitates towards this thing. This is his thing. And a lot of Freddie's teachers have all said to us, you know, a lot of children with autism all have a thing. You know, they have this thing that brings out the best of them. And we'll find that for Freddie. Whatever it is, we'll find it. That's the journey, really. And that's what I always say is about enjoying the journey. There's no point in looking at, you know, 10, 15 years down the line right now. All we can do is give him the best today and enjoy every day with him and see where he gets to. And that's the exciting bit. Yeah. I just, yeah, just, yeah, happy. I wouldn't. He's happy now. He's the happiest little boy. So often. He's just so gloriously happy. So, yeah, to be like that and I suppose find his groove, mm. whatever works for him. Yeah. Um, and if we can help kind of educate people on how he works so that things are easier for him, then, you know, that's what we want to do. We want to be able to talk more about Freddie. We want to talk to other parents so they can help with their kids and don't you think yeah. as well part of the sharing is creating a world of understanding and making people see that your actions they matter as well and actually yeah. if we're all open to each other and understand just understand what's going on and that different things mean different things to different people and that's absolutely fine but rather than trying to have an explanation for everything or put everything into a box it's okay just to be an experience and to listen to each other yeah I think we all go in those situations where we feel like the world's against us and actually it doesn't have to be we can all just support each other a little bit yeah, yeah. and I do think as well the more that you can expose people to differences and the uniqueness of somebody the yeah. more it's not a problem anymore and also the more that you can lovingly tell somebody please don't do that yeah. The times where I went to mum groups where I would sob in the car afterwards because people looked at Freddie, it was times it was like disgust about the fact that he was running around and enjoying himself because he wouldn't sit on a mat and sing a song and watch the woman doing it. Actually, the way he enjoyed it was to run round and round in circles and touch people as much as possible. <laughs> and really, it would just be to kind of say to those people, please don't do that. He's just enjoying himself. Yeah. I've got to say, Freddie is a joy to watch. He is an absolute, like you just watch him outside in his own world and you just think, I would love to be seeing what you're seeing and to see things in yeah. the same way. Yeah, I totally. mean, the, the way he watches things as well, like the detail. When we were in Toronto, he used to, we went to this part where they had these kind of sprinkler things, didn't they? There's a yeah. system that used to go off in like a little dance. And he understood that he needed to press the button and they'd start to dance around. And you'd watch other kids press the button and then they'd run and out getting wet. And that those were their main goals. Like press the button, get wet, press it again. Like, yeah. Whereas Freddie pressed the button and then he'd like stand back and he'd watch it like dancing around and then he'd giggle and then he'd listen for a minute. And then he'd giggle again. <laughs> and then another one would come up and he'd be like, <gasps> and then it's, is it time to get wet now? Or no, let me listen again. Like he, everything about it, he took in. 
and he noticed every moment of it, didn't he? Mm. Like every every single time the it moved differently. Like if the wind made it move differently, he'd be like, oh, and it was all amazing all over again. And watching him notice all those details was just. Oh, gosh, he is, he is glorious. Yeah. You're absolutely right, Jude. he is. <laughs> if you two could write separate letters on being a parent, any topic around it, who would you write a letter to and what would it be about? You can write to yourself, like, at different times throughout motherhood or fatherhood, before, you can write to other parents, parts of your body, technology. I would, personally, I would write a letter to my... Balls. To my, to my balls. <laughs> well done. Your work. So you, you do work. Don't mess about with it. It works. <laughs> it's not a toy. Um, no, I would, I would, <laughs> I would write a uh, a letter to my probably very young self, actually, like three or four, to appreciate my mum, actually, for, because my mum brought me and my brother up as a single parent, and. Um, I don't think I ever appreciated how hard it was for her and for parents in general. And it would give me an appreciation through the rest of my life of what it really is to be a parent, let alone what it was like for me, you know, growing up with her and appreciating her. But I think it would have influenced my entire life of the way myself going into parenthood and like the, the way I would have approached us having children and what I knew that I'd be putting Laura through and that sort of thing. So I, yeah, it would have changed my whole perspective on, on parent life, I think. Lots of love um, to Teresa. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> the saint. <laughs> My letter, I think it'd probably go to me. To when I had Freddie. And then to like other mums. Which is one of the most phenomenal things I think about what you do in discussing and being so open about how you felt and that it was your journey. It's not necessarily the same as anyone else's, but that give yourself a break woman mm. like say no go do something for you right remember who you are and that you're still Laura it's not gone away it's just that you there's a different part of you now as well and um I'd maybe go back to being able to have women in the room when you deliver <laughs> I love you it was great you were there but I was there when my sister gave birth and I was there when my best friend did too. And I think having that understanding of knowing exactly how that person feels means that you don't panic so much. You know, I'd turn around to Tom being like, I think I'm going to be sick. And that was normal. <laughs> Whereas he was sitting there like, huh? I thought I could just take my top off and do skin to skin, Laura. <laughs> That's what I'm here for. <laughs> That's his favourite thing to do. All the midwives are like, good Lord, look at this guy with his top off all tanned. Excuse me. No, I know. And I'd sit there like, oh, just put your top off. <laughs> but, you know, it'd be to myself to say, you're doing all right, kid. You're all right. Mm. And oh, we finished, yeah. And we finish each podcast with you finishing three sentences. Okay. <gasps> so being a parent means... Being a parent means having unconditional love despite any any challenges that might be coming your way. It, it's about just digging deep through via love. Let love lead it. 
Being a parent means... Oh, Lord. Where's my brain gone? <laughs> That's a big one. Losing your brain and being okay with it. Or just very tired. Being very tired, yeah. Since, Definitely means that. Since having children, I... Since having children, I am not such a judgy cow. <laughs> I hope I'm nicer. Uh, since having children, I appreciate sleep more than I ever thought I could. <laughs> and I'm happy when... Oh, I'm happy when the four of us are together, no matter where that is in the world, you know, whenever we're together. That's that's I'm that's when I'm happy, yeah. I am happy with the four of us. And also Christmas. Oh yeah. <laughs> Guys, thank you so much. It's been amazing. I can't oh, believe we've you. sat down and had a proper conversation with no interruptions. Like this hasn't I happened just for years. That. How <laughs> good like, is that? Quick get Tom so we can all sit together. <laughs> sit in a chat. I know. It's like so long. <laughs> oh, guys, it's been amazing. Thank you so, so much. Thanks. You know, Thank so you. Much Thanks for having us on. I have so much love for you guys. I've got so much love for your kids. And, you know, we're all in this together. Well, likewise. It's straight back at you, Fletchers. Oh, thanks, guys. Straight back. Love you. <laughs>